today and forever. God, you don't change on us, Lord. You're not wishy-washy with us, Lord God. But God, you remain the same, God. And for that, God, we thank you for it this morning, Lord. Have your way in this service, Lord God. Let your perfect will be done, Lord. Touch the hearts of your people, God, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Good morning, everybody, and just welcome to the house of the Lord. Why don't you come on in this house? God told me why don't you come on in this house? Well, God told me why don't you come on in this house? Come on, come on in this house, oh, Lord. Well, if you wanna get a blessing, why don't you come on? In Make you holy, in this house. oh so holy. In this house, in this house, in this house, in this house, in this house. There is joy, in this house. There is peace, in this house. There is love, in this house, in this house. Hey, you make you holy, in this house, oh so holy. Oh, so holy. 
let me sleep too late. Yeah. And he woke me. He woke me right on time. Hey, hey, hey. He woke me up. Yes, he did. over all of us. Without him, we can do absolutely nothing. We welcome all of you that are live streaming with us, whether you are local or statewide, whether you are watching internationally. It's a joy to be a part of what God is doing. Please open your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. We're going to look at verse number 19. The book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse number 19. If you find it, please say Amen. The Bible reads, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom. Not just any kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed 
in heaven. Please remain standing as we pray. Our Father and our God, we are grateful for the word of God. Grass wither it, flowers fade, but your word will stand forever. Lord, we are grateful for your darling son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him to die for our sins. We thank you, O oh God, for the Holy Spirit. He leads us, he, he guides us, he teaches us all things. We are grateful for that. Thank you for the power of prayer. The opportunity to call upon you any hour of the day. And thank you that you are answering, praying God. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will please touch us one more time. Heal us one more time. Deliver us one more time. We need miracles one more time. <laughs> Just keep doing what you do best. Save us from our own self. Show yourself strong in this house. Help our hearing, help our understanding. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you eight keys in the Lord's Prayer. I have been teaching a series of lessons on the subject of prayer. We start out this series discussing what is prayer. Then we go into Another topic about why should we pray? And then we move a little further to discuss how to pray. And today, I just want to give you eight keys to make your prayer life a success story. Let me encourage you to please pay attention. In the passage I just read to your hearing, very familiar passage, Jesus was talking to his disciples. You remember in Caesarea Philippi, and he asked them, who do men say that I am? And everybody was guessing about it. But Peter came up with the right answer. Am I still in the book? So because Peter answered correctly, Jesus said, flesh and blood have not revealed it to you. He said, but I bless you. I will give you keys. 
to the kingdom. So obviously there must be certain keys. If not, Jesus will not say, I'll give it to you. You as a child of God, you need to know the keys to enhance your prayer life. I see a lot of people will tell me I pray, but pastor, to be honest with you, I didn't get result. The Bible says the reason for that is because we pray amiss. So my assignment today is to equip you and me to know how to pray and get results. We're going to be talking about eight keys. And all of those eight keys is found in the model prayer that Jesus taught the disciples on how to pray. When we talk about keys, please let me remind you that the purpose of any key is to gain access into something. Let me also mention that keys also can be used to lock up something. In the word of God, there's also a third use or connotation of keys. They are secrets into the kingdom. So God wants to equip you and me to be able to gain access to divine provision, to be able to lock up things that the devil cannot touch, And God wants to show you mysteries of the kingdom, secrets of the kingdom. Are you still here? See, for example, you will remember a gentleman by the name Joseph. God gave him a secret. In the midst of famine, when everybody was starving, he was looking good. When God gives you a secret... When everybody is freaking out, you'll be smiling. It's called the mystery of God. There are keys to the kingdom. The same thing happened in Egypt. When Egypt was going through plagues, just like America is going through a coronavirus, a plague. But God gave Israel the key, a secret. So that even when the angel of death passed over the land, everybody's child was dropping dead, but the Israelites' children were preserved. God is in the business of giving secrets. Jesus said to his disciples, said, to you it has been given the mystery. He said, the rest of them in the world They are scraping and scratching. And that is why I encourage you today to pay attention. In this particular passage, Jesus told Peter, the keys I will give you. Let me tell you how important it is. He said, whatever you bind here on earth, 
will be bound in heaven. He said, and guess what? Anything you lose down here will be loosed in heaven. By the way, for those of you who are into theology, the word binding and loosing in Greek means locking and unlocking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Bless your holy name. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to be reminded that the kingdom of God is full of blessings. The kingdom of God is full of miracles. The kingdom of God is full of healing, prosperity, deliverance, breakthrough. It's up to you as a child of God to unlock it. But how are you going to unlock something you don't know the keys to? And please take note, Jesus didn't say, I will give you the key. He said, I will give you the keys. So that tells you and me there are a bunch of keys. So a good pastor should infest the time to show God's children keys to the kingdom. And many of us, you bless you, you know some of the keys, but you don't know which keys fit which door. I'm giving you a picture of what's going on in the body of Christ. So we find ourselves trying this, trying that, hoping that something will work. And for the most part, God is saying, enter into the kingdom, but we stay stuck at the lobby. Because we are still experimenting, trying to figure out which key will fit where. So today, I want to use what you are very familiar with, the Lord's Prayer, and to point out in that prayer eight different keys that you can use when you pray. You remember the Lord's Prayer was birthed out of a request of one of the disciples asking Jesus Christ, will you please teach us how to pray? So there is a how to do something. Amen. I remember when I was trying to learn how to play basketball, and I would take the ball and I would run with it. And my coach would say, no, no, pastor, hold it. There's a way, there's, there's how to bounce the ball. He said, there's a way to shoot the ball. He never could get me to bend my knees a little bit. He said, we'll put some... Some, some weight on, on your throwing because I would try to shoot the ball never made it to the basket. So in life, you got to know how to do things. 
Are you all see here? By the way, before I share with you how to, to pray and all these eight keys, I want you to use your imagination for a minute. Imagine a football game. In a football game, ladies and gentlemen, typically there are 22 players. Am I right about it? 11 on each side. But that's not all the people involved in football. There are many other people. There are spectators in the stadium. Sometimes it may be 50,000 people watching those 22. Then there may be millions of them who are in their home watching on television or tailgating somewhere. So a lot of people are involved. But take note, at the end of the day, only those 22 players will get paid. I'm trying to help somebody. The same thing is true in prayer. Many of us, you grew up coming to church to watch other people pray. You are a spectator. You don't get paid being a spectator. If I have a sermon to preach to you, I will say, get in the game. And you are still here. Many in church never pray. They're in their 40s. You say, Mama, you're going to pray for us today. Oh, I don't know how to pray. Let the deaconess do that. Brother, you're going to pray today. Oh, no. Well, let call the deacons to do that. Let the preacher do that. But they forget that being a spectator, you don't get paid. In fact, the truth be told, if you're just a spectator in football, you will end up spending your money. Not only will you not get paid, they will take from you. I'm trying to make the word of God simple. You say, Brother Pastor, why you say they're going to make me pay? Well, you pay cable bill, don't you? Some of the money you pay to Clico, to Suddenly, DirecTV, Dish, they send it to those 22 people. I don't know about you. I made up my mind when it comes to prayer, I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm going to get in the game. Can you all handle the truth this morning? And you know, as your pastor, I can tell if you're in the game or if you're a spectator. <laughs> Hallelujah. How do you know if I'm in the game, brother pastor? I'm glad you asked. You see, those who are in the game, if you notice, they don't be running their mouth. Their focus is on the, on the ball, on the game. They're trying to score. They're trying to win. 
But you look at the spectators. Guess what they're doing? They're screaming and yelling. Some of you, you're already, you're already freaking out because of Bayou Classic now. Because now you got to deal with COVID-19. Because you want to go so you can scream and yell. <laughs> and nobody shouts now. But the real players, those 22 people on the field, they are busy. Their eyes is on the ball. They have no time gossiping. They have no time backbiting. You say, Pastor, what, where are you going with this? The reason why church folks, you spend so much time on Facebook, so much time on social media, is because you are living a life of spectators. You're not in the game. If you are busy seeking the face of God, you won't have all those hours to be running your mouth and gossiping on social media. Hey, don't write me. You're not in the field playing. Players have one purpose. To score to win. The same thing is true in prayer. I'm just using simple things to help you to understand deep things of God. When you're busy praying, you don't have time for foolishness. And some of you will say, Brother Pastor, if you only know what I'm going through, all the attacks I'm facing right now, well, let me be honest with you. In football, if you find yourself being attacked in football, it's because you are carrying a life ball. <laughs> Have you ever noticed when you're telling me about your trouble, I don't join your pity party? <laughs> I'm sure deep within you, you'll be saying, what kind of pastor is this? Because I know deep within, if you have no life ball, nobody will attack you. So the reason you're getting attacked is because you are carrying a life ball. To be honest with you, in this Christian journey, you need to be very concerned if you're not getting attacked. That means you're not a threat to the devil. That means you're not even in the game. It's either you're not on the field or you're on the field, you're not carrying a light ball. So what am I trying to tell you? Don't be a spectator. When it comes to this thing called prayer, don't leave it to the preachers. Many of you, you will call me and say, uh, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. And then I'll say, good. I'm honored to pray with you, but you're going to pray. And now you're shaking all over the place. 
What you going to do if the pastor don't answer your call? Many times, the, the people you're trying to call, they've got problems too. So, get in the game. And, and if you find yourself in attacking life, attack is a proof that you are not expected to in the game. You're in the field. You're carrying a live ball. What is my message? Don't just watch other people pray. Learn how to pray. Even if you start with 30 seconds, start with something. Because nobody knows like you know what you're dealing with. Amen. Many of you send all these text messages. Please pray for sister. So please pray for brother, sister, and so I never see a single text message from anybody that say, pray for your own self. You see the problem? <laughs> we are like a bunch of God's children giving keys, but we're outside in the lobby trying different keys out, hoping one will work. But what you need to know is how to pray for your own self. If you're going to call the preacher or call anybody, it should be to agree with you, not to pray for you. <laughs> Nobody's shouting now. Jesus is our perfect example. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible shows... Early every morning, he was still away to pray. And the disciples knew that he has become an expert in praying. They watch him every morning. Let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever come to you and say, will you teach us how to pray? You know why they never ask you? Because they don't see you pray. They know that's not your expertise. And when you do pray, those of you pray in the church or wherever you pray, what do people hear when you pray? Are they just hearing a form of godliness? There's no power. Not even enough, enough power to heal a mosquito. So when you pray, are people just hearing a form, or can people hear you pour your heart out to God? When you pray, are people just hearing intellectual discourse? Oh, Lord, ain't God all right? Oh, yes, he White and black, intellectual prayers. And nobody talking now. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. The Bible says Jesus will often slip away. 
You can be in a crowd like this, all of a sudden you look around, he's gone. And by the time they'll be looking for him, where is he at? They will find him praying. You and I do the same thing. Notice people will slip away to do what they have fun doing. Some people will slip away just to go fishing. Here you got the whole family in the house and everybody having fun and you look around, where is Willie Jackson? Where is he at? Let them sleep away. <laughs> I'm just messing with, he's my deacon, those of you are watching. <laughs> I do that. Everybody becomes a target in my, in my summer. You ever seen women sleep away to the mall? Because they enjoy shopping. Same thing with brothers. I don't care. You can be having a family meeting going on. They know exactly when the game comes on. And then when, when the New Orleans Saints mm -hmm, comes on TV, all of a sudden, <laughs> and, and, and nobody shouting them. They'll sleep away. But here's my concern. When was the last time you slip away to pray? Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. The Bible said Jesus, after he dismissed the crowd, he went on top of the mountain just to pray. And then you remember over and over again, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. He will steal away. The Bible says on this Occasion he prayed all night. That was the night before he picked his disciples. All night. You know one of the problems that is plaguing the body of Christ. Much worse than coronavirus. We are making dumb decisions. Folks will pick the wrong husband and pick the wrong wife, and pick the wrong job, because they never prayed before they make a major decision. And you remember in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says Jesus told those disciples, you are just wait here. I know you don't pray. You just stay here. Can't even count on you to watch with me for one hour. You'll just sleep on, do the birds, sleep on. He went back into the garden and prayed until he was sweating. And it looked like drops of blood. Intensive prayer. What am I trying to tell you? Jesus know how to pray. And I submit to you the reason why many of us put up with all the giants and goliaths and gorillas in our lives is because we don't know how to pray. 
So that's why I want to show you eight keys in the Lord's Prayer. By the way, first let's recite that. I just don't want to assume you know it. If you don't know it, go home and read Matthew chapter 6 and read verse 9 through verse 13. So let's all read. Our Father, who art in heaven, keep on going. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. All right? All right? Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. All right? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. What else? What else? What else? What else? Amen. Well, now, don't just know how to recite that. Now, I'm going to point out some keys, and then I'll let you go home. All right? That's the job of a preacher. How can they preach except God send them? Notice it start out with two words. Our Father. Each of those words, in my line of duty as a lawyer, words are very important. You don't rush through a document. You can get nailed. You can lose thousands of dollars or millions of dollars. And it's not a strange thing that God call a lawyer to be a preacher. So that you don't rush through with anything. That word, our, is as in me, or you, or the church. Many of us, we get so selfish about God. We think it's a a white God, or a black God. That's why we're having problem of racism in the land. But when you get the revelation from that one word, our, all of a sudden, you will get the revelation that it's not just your God. Notice the next word, Father. That shows who God is. You cannot pray to a God that you don't know who he is. Many of us talk to God as if he's a distant God. But when you see him as father, it means he is not distant. He is not separated. He is not not so far away that he's unconnected. A good father is in touch with the children. There's a reason why we call him Father, Abba. And many of you are having problems seeing God as your father because in the natural, your father is tripping. But when you know a real father, they don't talk too much, but they get things done. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Take note. This world, Father, is so important that every time Jesus prayed to God, he would say, my Father. Hallelujah. There's only one exception that he didn't use the word Father. And that was when he was on the cross. And the reason why I couldn't use the term my Father is because the sin of all of us is upon him. Sin would not allow you or me to call God your Father. Because God is holy. So sin, the Bible says, is separate. Can you handle the truth today? What is the message? True prayer is impossible without you having a relationship with God. So the first key you should pick up from the Lord's prayer, relationship. The reason why many of you don't pray. The reason why many of you pray, you don't get results. There is no relationship. The first key is relationship. God is not obligated to hear you if you're a stranger to his kingdom. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't get it. You should get it. See, I have five children. You all know my children. I am obligated. I am committed to take care of them. But if you are somebody from outside, I may help you, but I'm not obligated. <laughs> I'm trying to make this Bible so simple. When I came to this community 24 years ago, I started a radio ministry. Back then, the church was not involved. I had to do it on my own. And I called it the gospel in plain English. I, saw, I listened to so many preachers, and I noticed they're too deep. So I said, Lord, I just want to make it simple. That anybody, even little children can grab it. Elderly people. People who's never been to church. My children are my children. I'm obligated to take care of them. But if you're not my children, good luck. Same thing with God. The truth be told, if you don't get what I'm saying, if you are living in sin, and nobody shouting today, <laughs> if you are living in rebellion, if you make a career out of doing wrong, God is not obligated to hear your prayer. You say, Brother Pastor, how you know stuff like that? You remember in the book of Psalms, chapter 66, verse 18, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear you. What's the first key? Relationship. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the next thing you see in that prayer, he said, our Father, which art in where? Heaven. That's another key there. What is the key? Because heaven is not just a location. Are you listening to me? Heaven is the source of all provisions in life. When you see a man or woman doing good, all good and perfect give come from above. So when he say, he's not just a father. Look at where he is in heaven. Our father which art in heaven. That's the source. You are not to be starving. You are not to be lacking. You got to get the revelation. There is a source. That word also connotes home. Heaven is home. I get in trouble every time I talk with my wife about heaven. I say, I'm not scared to go. She gets upset with me. Why are you trying to die? I say, I'm not trying to die. I love life. But if I should die, I've got a home. I've got a building. You are. It's not made by hands. Eternal in the heaven. My God said, I've got to prepare a place for you. I get emotional when I talk about it. Heaven is not just, it's not just a location. And you know something else, what heaven represents, ladies and gentlemen? Citizenship. If you really understand who you are, you will see in the book of Philippians chapter 3 verse 20, it calls you, we are citizens of heaven. Why is that important? The reason why many of you, when you pray, you sound like a beggar is because you don't know who you are. When you know you are a citizen, citizens have rights. How you know that, brother pastor? I used to be an alien in this country. But all the day I became a citizen. Oh, I got some protection. I got me some rights. I got me some privilege. The other day I went down to vote. I'm mad. I do one of those. One of those Obama walk. You know why? Because I am a citizen. And when you know you are a citizen of heaven, you're not going to be begging in your prayers. You learn to decree and declare. And the Bible says, whatever you decree on earth, it shall be done. Whatever you bind here on earth, heaven will bind it to. I'll be honest with you. Some of you, you pray. I can't even say amen. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the second key? Citizenship. You got to know who you are. When you know you're a part of family, you don't beg, can I go get a drink from the refrigerator? 
That's right, Pastor. Because you're part of the family. You go to the refrigerator. You make yourself at home. You get what you want. You eat what you want. Amen. The other day, it was in the middle of the night, I confessed my sin. My wife always regulates what I eat. But that day, I just feel like eating some sweet stuff. So I waited patiently. <laughs> I feel my help coming. Make sure <laughs> Mrs. Dara gone to sleep, sound asleep, and I just tiptoe to the refrigerator. Made me one of the richest sandwich God ever made. <laughs> but while I was in jam, I mean, that sandwich was loaded. If I tell you what's in it, you'll start praying. <laughs> I was enjoying myself so much. In my mind, all is well. I'm all by myself. Then before I realized it, one of the girls tiptoed inside. I said, what the, what, what you do here? <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. Come to find out, she came to do the same dog. <laughs> What am I trying to tell you? When you are part of family, when you know for sure you are a citizen, you go right. Amen, somebody. One of these days I have to teach you on how you become a citizen of heaven. Just like I tell you, I'm a citizen of the United States. There's a process. The same thing when you want to become a citizen of heaven. For the sake of time, the simple thing I can tell you right now is what Jesus said, you must be born again. Maybe at night, I spend some time on how to be born again. And then when you're born again, two things happen to you. you you're now in relationship with You can call him Abba, Father. And secondly, you become a citizen. Amen. Let me hurry up so that I can get to some other point. Notice the next thing that prayer is say, hallowed be thy name. That word halal means holy. It's a statement of worship. True prayer, if you want result for your prayer, your prayer must include worship. A non-worshipper don't get answers. Learn to worship. Amen. Why is that important? Psalms 100 verse 4 says, enter his gate with thanksgiving. How you all still here? I'm just taking my time to teach today. Enter his court. You can just come in any kind of way. You can just come in with your list. 
Enter his gate with thanksgiving. Enter his court with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. Has he been good to you? Has he been good to your children? Then you ought to be thankful. You ought to be thankful. You ought to be grateful. I woke up this morning about 6.30. One of my deacons woke me up, called me and said, Pastor, you need to get up. I won't tell you which one of them. Yeah, I caught his beard Woke me up. The first thing I did, spend the next 30 minutes just thanking God. Just to be able to open my eyes. Thank you. Just to be able to move my hands. Thank you. Just to be able to inhale and exhale. Double thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to teach you how you get resolved. How are you going to pray you don't get answer? It's impossible. Unless you don't know how to pray. What are the keys? Number one, relationship. Number two, citizenship. Number three, worship. Then the prayer continues to say, that kingdom come. The kingdom is the agenda of Almighty God. What we are trying to tell you there, the key is that you cannot have victory in prayer unless you make God's agenda your priority. Unless God's interest is ahead of your interest, you don't get result. I wish I have time to, to expand more on this. The problem, why we don't get answers to a prayer, because too many of us, we are praying selfish prayer. Selfish prayer. Heal my mama. Touch my baby. Get me a job. Shut up! Let thy kingdom come. And in order for God's kingdom to come, your own kingdom must go. Now you understand why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, not your rent, not your car payment, his kingdom, his righteousness. Then he said, if you learn to do that, all these other things will be added unto you. Yesterday, one of my children came to me and said, Daddy, I didn't know it's me. It's 7 o'clock. What are we going to eat for dinner? I said, baby, anything you want to eat, we have money for it. All this other stuff will be added unto you. My daughter asked me anything. I said, let me spell it for you. 
She took a deep breath. That's the kind of God you serve. All the silver, all the gold belongs to him. All is looking for you. Seek first his kingdom. Let thy kingdom come. I wish I had more time. You know something else? The next thing he talks about is the will of God. I've been teaching you lately about the will of God, the conditional will of God, the unconditional will of God. And I told you, unconditional will of God, no devil can stop it. No human can block it. But the conditional will of God, you can sabotage it. You can prevent it. So one of the ways you get prayers answered is you pay attention to the will of God. And you do your best to do the will of God. How are you going to know the will of God? It's in the Bible. The will of God is in the Bible. You remember example, Joshua 1 and 8. He said this book of the law. Don't let it depart from you. Meditate upon it day and night. Be careful to do. Be careful to observe what it says. Then you will make your way prosper. That's right, Reverend. You will find good success. Your prayer is meant to be answered. Sometimes I may sound like a broken record. I am sick and tired of seeing so many defeated Christians. God is not trying to raise an orphanage. Number six. He said, give us this day our daily bread. You know the key there is called total dependence. You want to get your prayer answered? Take the posture that no human being can make you. Totally depend on God. Those of you sisters, please hear your pastor good. Don't live a life of total dependence on your husband. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean onto your own understanding. All your heart should be concentrated on God. Give us this day. Who is the giver? God. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct. He will provide. He will make a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number seven, he says, forgive us as we forgive. Many of us, the only hold up to your prayer, ladies and gentlemen, is unforgiveness. Remember, I told you a key, you can use a key to open, but you can use a key to lock. Many times you are praying, but you have locked up your miracle. You've locked up your healing. You locked up your own success. 
How will you say that, brother pastor? Because somebody wronged you and you never let go. You cannot be a Christian and have hate in your heart. Lose that man, let him go. Lose that woman, let, let her go. Lose that company. They don't worth it. Hallelujah. I got to stop. Number eight, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. You know, every, every mistake you and I make in life is because of temptation. You're tempted to do. I'm tempted to do. Every time I screw up, it's a result of temptation. Wouldn't it be nice if God lead you away from temptation? Wouldn't it be nice if God deliver you and your children from evil? Then you can come to church shouting, That is the kingdom. That is power. That is glory. How long? Ever. Forever. Forever. When you get a chance, go and listen to this tape. Get you a CD. Begin to include each of those keys in your prayer life. And you will begin to see a result. Amazing results. And don't be a spectator. Participate. Get in the game. Can I have an amen? amen? I want you to prepare your heart to receive the Holy Communion. As we get ready to do that, let me encourage you after church today to give. Don't just take the communion. Don't just hear the word and then you take your Bible and you walk away. You become a taker and a user. I tell people all the time, prosperity is not a lucky charm. It's a decision. And let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, the whole world's economy is now shake up. God is fixing to do a wealth transfer. How you are listening to me? I'm trying to give you an inside, inside information. You know how he said the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, but the righteous have to prepare. Get your tithes in. Get your offering going. Position yourself. God has done it before he can do it again. How do I know the wealth of Pharaoh? He transferred it to Abraham. How do I know the wealth of Abimelech? He transferred it to Isaac. 
How do I know the wealth of Laban? He transferred it to Jacob. How do I know the wealth of Egypt? He transferred it to Joseph. How do I know when the Israelites are leaving Egypt, the wealth of all of the country of Egypt, he transferred it to Israel? How do I know the wealth of the whole world, he transferred it to Solomon? There are so many examples. God is in the business of moving the wealth of the wicked and put it in the hand of the righteous. What righteous? Sowers, givers. People learn to honor God with their tithes and offering. So after the communion today, I'll be inviting the preachers today. After the communion, make sure you don't leave without giving. Amen. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, invite him today. Let him be your Lord. Let him be your God. Amen, somebody. Those of you who are watching, who are live streaming, there's a number under the screen. Dial that number. Ask somebody to pray with you. And if you're home right now, we want you to join us in this Holy Communion. Get you some juice or some crackers. If you don't have crackers, get some bread in the house. If you have no juice in the house, get some water. This woman of God, Pastor Norris, is ready to lead us before the throne of grace. Get ready. God bless you.
opportunity to partake of your blood and of your body which is the new covenant of promise but before we partake of this sacred occasion we're going to take the time to examine ourselves we take the body and the blood on full Sundays so a lot of has transpired from that time to this time because we are human, we miss the mark. We take the time for forgiveness, go before the Lord, ask for forgiveness of our sins, and not just forgiveness, but for repentance. Amen? We need to do this on a daily basis. Yes. On a daily basis, because we do miss the mark. But we thank God for what he has done on the cross. We take this opportunity to proclaim his death, burial, and resurrection. In this blood and his body, there is healing, there is deliverance, 
there is salvation and we thank him because if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side where would we be he took us out of darkness and placed us into his marvelous light so we come to give him praise to give him glory and to give him honor for what he has done what he is doing and what he is going to do if we allow him humble ourselves before him and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Amen. So that being said, we take up the bread. We eat. And we drink. We thank you, Lord. And we thank you for coming. We hope this word will maintain you for the rest of the week. And you will come back Sunday for another great word. So, Father God, we ask that you will continue to protect, provide, and maintain our church family, Father God. Give them traveling grace in the mighty name of Jesus. Bless their foot, their footsteps in their going and in their comings. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.